name or like manner, he's going to come again from heaven. There was a time when the disciples were standing there just after Christ uh, rose from the dead. They were standing there amongst a large group of people, many observing the Lord. And the disciples asked of Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom unto Israel? And he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. And he goes on and acts there and he says, but you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you should be witnesses unto me. And he gives them power for the job that they're going to do. But then at the conclusion of that, the Bible says that he was taken up into heaven. And the disciples were standing there looking up into heaven with their mouths open. And two angels appeared unto them. The two angels said, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. He's coming again. We're looking Matthew 24 this morning. The text begins in verse number 36. And we won't read the entirety of it, but it's going to go down through the end of the chapter. But in Matthew 24, beginning in 36, let's read down through verse 44. Follow along with me and hear the words of the Lord this morning. He says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, he says, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What, he, what he's saying here, he says, nobody knows the day or hour. We don't know when it's going to be. But he says, as the days of Noah, in like manner, in the same way, when it's like it was in the days of Noah, Jesus is going to come again. That's what he's saying there. Now look at verse number 38. He says, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then he begins to give a description of what it's going to be like. He says, then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. He says, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is coming again. We do not know when, but we know he's coming again. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. He's going to come again. He's going to receive us unto himself. Not only do we know, beloved, that he's coming again. But we have been given some descriptions in the word of God. Some defining characteristics of the season, the time. We don't know the day or the hour. But he says, listen, you should be able to discern the season. 
You should be able to see some of the signs. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 10.25, in that verse that tells us not to forsake the assemblies of ourselves together as a manner of some is. But he says, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I'm kind of trying to see if you guys are with me. But you understand what he's saying. He says, when you can see the day approaching, when you see the day that God is coming again approaching. So what he's saying is, is, is it's something that we don't know the day or hour, but we ought to be able to observe the signs of the times. We ought to be able to see the day is a coming. In fact, God reproved the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 16. In verses 2 and 3, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he answered and he said unto them, What is it? He says, When is it? Evening, ye say, it'll be fair. It'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. He says, O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times. What he's saying, beloved, is you've come to the place where you've studied You've learned, you've put in some effort, and you can look at the sky and you can see that, hey, bad weather's coming. You've put in a little bit of effort, a little bit of energy, and you've learned. And, you know, today we can predict the weather with some sort of level of accuracy, uh, marginally at least, with all modern technology. I bet you sailors back in those days could do better than we do today. But the, the weather guy says, hey... Uh, you know what, looks like we're going to have snow on Friday. And what does everybody do? People asking, what are you going to do? What's the church going to do? Are you canceling this event? Are you changing that? Uh, weather's coming. We got to get ready. We're going to stop at the store and get all our necessary, uh, you know, food and beverages and all of those things. Why? Because bad weather's coming. We've discerned the sky and said, hey, we know from all of our learning, from our observation that it's going to be bad weather. So we're going to prepare. And God says, listen, you can discern that, but you haven't grown enough spiritually to be able to discern the signs of the times. To know that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. To be able to see that his day is fast approaching. I want to give you some thoughts that are found right here in our text and then apply them to our hearts this morning. Again, we pray and ask that God would use this message in your heart. If you're not here and you don't know and haven't experienced the love of God and His forgiveness of your sin, you can know that today. He loves you. You can be ready today for His second coming. We're going to talk about it. I want you to see, first of all, that God wants us to be watching. Look at verse number 42 in our text. Verse number 42. He says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. He gives a description there and he talks about the idea that if... if if the watchman had known what hour a thief was going to come, he would have been ready. He would have watched the house. He would have said, hey, uh, the thief's coming tonight. Uh, not, he's not getting anything from here. I'm going to make sure the doors are locked. I'm going to get some buddies. We're going to put some guards up. We're going to protect this because we know the thief's coming. He said, you don't know the day or hour, but you know that he's coming. He says, you need to watch. You need to watch, therefore. Beloved, we are to be looking for the Lord's return. Do you believe it this morning that he could come at any moment? At any time, 
Are we watching? Matthew 25, 13 says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour. Mark 13, 33 says, Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Mark 13, 35 says, Watch ye therefore, ye know not when the master of the house cometh. Mark 13, 37 says, And what shall I say unto you? I, I say unto you all, Watch. We are to be watching for the coming of the Lord, looking at the eastern sky and seeing. You know, a lot of people today get really excited about watching for the Antichrist. I every, it seems like every time there's some dynamic guy on the world stage, everybody says, oh, there he is. The Antichrist has arrived. Here's the dynamic figure that's going to take us into the new age. And they're all excited about watching for that. But you know, we're told to watch for the Christ, not the Antichrist. We're getting a little too consumed with secondary things. And we need to be watching for the Savior. He's given us some descriptions of what it's going to be like. He told us to be watching for it. First thing here he says in verse number 37 in our text, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What were the days of Noah like? Well, we are studying this in Sunday school. Just happened to be. Amen. <laughs> I have been doing a lot of studying in these passages. And so we read this morning the descriptions of the days of Noah in Genesis chapter number 6. Let me just read for you, those of you that weren't able to be here for the Sunday school hour where we were studying this so that we don't leave you behind. A lot of this we went through with Sunday school and those that were present will be familiar with it. But we know that the days of Noah, the Bible tells us in verse number 11, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with with violence. God says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The days of Noah were days that were filled with violence. I actually started preparing this message and got about 85% done and had to scrap most of it. Started all over. Because the, the title of the message originally was, Welcome to the Days of Noah. Because, beloved, we're living in the days of Noah. We're living in a time frame when the earth is filled with violence. This word filled here in the Greek is a, is a, a filled to capacity. It's, it's a overflowing. It's a, it's a bursting. If you take a balloon and you, know, you, you start blowing that up, you, you fill it with air, but then you blow some more, and then it's more filled with air, and you blow some more, and you know ultimately uh, if you keep on blowing, that, that, that balloon is going to get all that it can possibly take and ultimately burst. That's what this field is talking about. The earth was filled with violence. And I decided that you didn't really need me to read to you uh, article after article and, and, and quote for you news broadcast and, and give to you some YouTube links about the corruption or the violence that's prevalent in the world today. I think we know the earth is filled with violence. It's on, it's on every hand. It's in every place. We see it everywhere. And beloved, I'm not just talking this morning about the wars. We know that there's wars around and that's a sign of the time, the wars and rumors of wars. 
But I'm talking about the senseless, needless, foolish violence that's in the world today where husbands are killing their wives and wives are killing their husbands and children are killing their moms and dads and people are taking guns and walking into stores and walking into churches and walking into schools and walking into malls and just randomly, senselessly killing other people. The violence that's prevalent in the world. Welcome to the days of Noah. The violence in our streets is nothing compared, beloved, to the legal slaughter of over a million babies every year in this country. The legal abortion of child after child after child, innocent children whose lives are taken from them. Welcome to the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Lord. We see the earth was filled with violence. We see, secondly, in verse six, six, chapter 6, verse number 11 of Genesis, that the earth was filled with corruption. Corruption. Beloved, corruption is notable because corruption is not just sin. You see, sin is the end result of corruption. Corruption is the process through which something that was good is made bad. It was corrupted. Something fresh is made sour. Something, uh, you know, like fruit is fermented. That which is good is made evil. That, that, that process of corruption, and that's what he describes here. He says, hey, the world is filled with corruption. Listen, the innocent minds of our young are being corrupted with the filthy agenda of the wicked. I don't have time this morning to give to you all of the lies that the children are being taught today. They have to sit and listen to being told that it's okay to be dishonest. They're told they don't have to listen to their mom and dad. They're told that question everything. They're taught about sex and the participation of it. Give you a book, Life and Health Students Edition from Random House Publishers, and I quote Adolescent petting is an important opportunity to learn about sexual responses and to gratify sexual desires without a more serious commitment. Listen, that statement is really, really mild compared to the things that young people are being taught in the schools today. Not just about the opposite gender, but the practice of homosexual activity, the engagement of lesbianism. The innocent, pure minds of the young are being corrupted. Day in and day out, being taught that this is acceptable and okay and even encouraged. In homemaking skills for everyday living, the student's edition, grades 6 through 8, by Goodhart and Wilcox Publishers, says this, others have a till love do us part attitude towards marriage. They see marriage as a short-term goal. They plan and expect that someday their love will come to an end and will plan to end their marriage at that time. Beloved, they are preparing and teaching the young people for a failed marriage. Instead of teaching them God's plan for the home, And telling them that if you work at it and and you commit to it and you put some effort in, you can get through. Everybody has hard times. 
It's a lie of the devil that you somehow have met your soulmate and you're just going to exist in perfect harmony from today until the, die, the day you die. That's foolishness. There's no marriage that goes through that. It's, it's a lie of Hollywood. Every marriage has struggles. You've got to stick at it and stay at it and get through the low times. Just decide in your heart, you ain't quitting while you're down. And you won't want to quit while you're up. So you'll make it. And you'll be able to celebrate many years of faithful marriage in your home. What I'm telling you, beloved, is that this world is being corrupted. A description of the end times, the imaginations and thoughts of their hearts are only evil continually. Only evil continually. If you don't think that's a description of society today, your head's in the sand. You can't take your child down the card aisle at Giant and let your, let your child randomly read whatever card he wants. Because you adults know that a good number of those cards are, are, are rude, crude, vul vulgar, have, have indecent photos and pictures in them, in a greeting card. You can't read bumper stickers today. You can't read billboards. The average comedian has more vulgar language in his, in his set than he does humor. The jokes that are, that are funny for the comedic stage today is really lewd and crude and sexual indiendos and, and, and nonstop filth. Very rare to find a, a comedian who doesn't use vulgar language, but then secondly stays away from indecent jokes. Saying the world is, imaginations and thoughts of their heart are only evil continually. There's no separation between the pure and the evil. Now it's awful quiet in here. It's awful quiet. I just this, this is truth. And it shouldn't be that heavy. It shouldn't bother us that much to know the truth. There is no separation between the profane and the holy today. Now we read about it in Genesis chapter number 6 where the sons of God joined together with the sons of men. The line of Seth which was pure and clean joined together with the line of Cain and they weren't supposed to marry together and, and join because they didn't believe the same. They didn't practice the same. There was one that God was trying to preserve and the other was already given up over to Satan but they combined together and the whole of man was corrupted. Because there was no dif differentiating between that which is holy and that which is worldly. Can I tell you today that the world has gotten churchy? You see it. You see rock stars and movie stars talking. I mean, these, these, these men who, I'm not even going down that way. They, they, they get on TV and YouTube, they talk about Jesus. The world has gotten churchy. But can I tell you, the real problem is the church has gotten worldly. There's no separation between the world and the church. The illustrations for this are so bountiful and numerable, I, I could not possibly list all of them, even just in the last 30 days. But can I tell you that last week, Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, 
which boasts a congregation of 34,000 members, acted out a Super Bowl Sunday that they titled his sermon series, the, The Super Bowl of Preaching. They put a disclaimer on their app, and they said, warning to the viewers of this church service has little to nothing to do with actual football or the Super Bowl. You will actually be watching a church service when actually it had very little to nothing to do with the church service and was about football and the Super Bowl. How many of you have seen clips from that? Very, very few of you. The pastor wearing a jersey or a referee outfit, people on the stage, they had turf on the stage, they had lines drawn for, for yardages, they had a whole backdrop set up for, for, for the you know, stadium look. They got a, which I hope it wasn't a real Bible, but they got a Bible cover that looked like a football. And they set it on the stage and, and one guy hiked it to the next guy. And then he grabbed the Bible and he held it. And then a lady came up and she kicked it off into the, into the congregation and kicked, kicked the word of God, which I hope the word of God wasn't in there. But even if, even if it was, the imagery is still there. They were, you know, having fumbles on the stage and wrestling for the ball, which was the football, which was the Bible. They tried to take it and apply it to the church in different ways, and I tried to watch as much of it as I could, as I could get via the sources that are online. You're talking about complete and utter foolishness. You take it one step further, and they... This guy and a referee, and I don't know how in the world they could possibly in any way justify this filth, but they hung a wrecking ball from the ceiling of the auditorium. And this guy got on the wrecking ball, and they swung him back and forth, and everybody sang together Miley Cyrus's song, I Came In Like a Wrecking Ball. Miley Cyrus's song, I, I looked it up, and the music video for that is so filthy, I had to turn it off. She swings nude without a stitch of clothing on that wrecking ball. And they put that in the house of God. Welcome to the days of Noah. But I'm saying, beloved, is today there's no separation between the profane, the worldly, the wicked, and the holy, the, the righteous. We serve a thrice holy God, and he does have a standard for his people. And we cannot make a mockery of the things of God and bring the world into God's house. There needs to be a, a boundary. There needs to be a barrier because that which is right is right, and that which is wrong is wrong. And God is the one that determines which is which. Not me, not you. We don't get to decide and pick and choose whatever we want. Well, I like this, and it's perfectly acceptable for me to engage in this behavior because that's what I think. And it's perfectly acceptable. Well, okay, well, it's okay for me to murder you then. I believe that that's acceptable. Well, if we all get to decide, the Bible says every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If we all get to decide and do whatever we want to do, then there's no, there's no right and wrong. But you know in your heart there is a right and wrong because the Bible says the law of God is written on your heart. God has established the truth of his law on your heart and you know there's a right and wrong and you know when you're doing wrong. Because he gives us a conscience and we know when we've transgressed the law of God 
Welcome to the days of Noah. Another description of the time in the days of Noah was that they, they ignored the warnings of God. For 120 years, God had Noah preaching the truth, telling them to repent, telling them that there was salvation in the ark if they would just get in the ark just by faith. Just They're like, Noah, you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. You're nutso, man. You, you, you're, you're foolish building this ark. Nobody's ever even heard of this. What are, you, what are you talking about? Rain coming from the sky. You have lost your marbles. But if they would have just had a little bit of faith and got in the ark, they could have been saved. But I'm telling you this morning, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can put your faith and trust in him and he'll forgive you of your sins and you can be saved. I want you to see not only are we supposed to be watching, but we're supposed to be ready. Look at verse number 44. He says, therefore, be ye also ready. Be ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man is going to come. Be ready. You don't know when he's coming but you want to be ready. You know, there's all kinds of illustrations we could give about this. You know, children sitting at home and they're engaged in or doing something they're not supposed to be doing and one of them's at the window watching for mom and dad. When's mom and dad? You let us know when they're pulling in the driveway because we're going you're gonna to change what we're doing like, 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 like that. And you guys think, you guys were all kids once. You know we all did it. <laughs> sitting there with your halos on. Who, what in the world? We were watching for mom and dad, and dad came down the driveway, and all of a sudden, everything, we're just perfect little angels. Everything's good. He says, you need to be ready. Be ready, because the Son of Man is coming. Listen to me this morning. If you're not saved, if you're not 100% sure that when you pass away that you're going to wake up in heaven, you're not ready. If the Lord came back right now, it would be, it would be too late. You're not ready. Maybe you don't even know what that term means. That word we mentioned, you know, if you're not saved, you're, you're like, oh, what does that even mean? You don't need to understand what that means. All you need to know is that Jesus Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Put your faith and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. The fact that he died to pay your sin debt so that you could go to heaven. You say, boy, that sounds too easy, but that's okay. Why would Jesus die if you could have done it on your own? Jesus died. All you had to do is put your faith and trust in him. Look down in verse number 51 of this text. Matthew 24, verse number 51. Christ tells what it's going to be like for those that aren't ready. He says, and he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Beloved, this in this verse is a description of a place called hell. Oh, we've all heard of hell. Maybe you've even told people to go there. Or you've had somebody tell you to go there. Well, hell's not a place you want to go, friend. People joke about it and they say, oh, when I get to hell, I'm going to be partying with all my friends. No, you won't. The Bible is very clear. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of trees. This is a description of the pain and suffering that's in that place called hell. You don't want to go there. Those that aren't ready are going to end up in that place. But you can be ready this morning by putting your faith and trust in Christ. The Bible says he's going to come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Beloved, before you take your next breath, he could have come. Before we close this service, he could come. Before you get home today, he could come. 
and the chance and the opportunity to know him as your Lord and Savior would be past. It would be too late. If you're here this morning and you are saved, you have reason to rejoice. Because at least regarding your salvation, you're ready. You've got peace and, and you know, just like I know, that hey, if Jesus came back right now, I might be ashamed of some things. But at least I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know I've been forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and my sins are covered and, I, and I'm on my way to glory. If you're not ready regarding salvation, get ready today before it's too late. Listen, those of you that are ready regarding salvation, I want you to know that if you've been living for, for sin and self, you're not ready. If you've been living uh, your life your own way in disregarding God, you're going to be ashamed at His appearing. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be discouraged. If, if I could tell you tonight, now no man knows the day or the hour, and I'm not telling you this, but if I could tell you, hey, Jesus is coming tomorrow morning. You've got between now and 8 o'clock tomorrow morning to get ready. I can tell you right now, everyone in here would change what's on your schedule for the next 20 hours. The problem is, is we don't believe He's coming. Or else we would live differently. He said, be watching because he is coming. He says, be ready, get ready. How differently would we live? Well, John said this, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. 1 John 3, 3. He said, every man that has this hope, that is every man that has the hope of one day being in the presence of God, knowing their sins are forgiven, but they're going to go to heaven, they're going to be on their way to heaven, they know that, he says, everyone that has this hope purifieth himself. Why? Because when they're in the presence of the Father, they want the Father to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. They want the Father to be pleased. The man and the woman that lives in light of his soon return will purify himself. If you're saved here and you're on your way to heaven, one day you're going to meet him in the air. But I wonder, are we ready to meet him? Are you living in such a way this morning that you'll have nothing to be ashamed of at his appearing? Listen, beloved, I'm not going to pat you on the back this morning and tell you, oh, everything's good and you're doing just fine. Keep up the good job. If you're not doing good. There, there's a lot of places that might do that. But I'm trying to tell you the truth. If there's some things that you're doing that you, when, when you stand in the presence of God, you're going to be ashamed of. Well, you can change that today. There's some things we need to change. Amen. The Bible says we're going to purify ourselves. There's some things in our lives that we're participating in or doing that should not be part of our life. Only you know if you're ready to meet him. I can tell you, beloved, I don't want to be caught up together in the clouds with him in the air with a beer in my hand. I don't want to be caught up in the clouds with a beer in my hand. I don't want to be caught up together in the clouds with him with wickedness, filth on my TV or on my phone, on my computer. I don't want to be caught up together with him in the clouds with gossip on my lips or hatred in my heart. 
What I'm saying is there's some things that I might need to get adjusted, some changes I need to make. I need to purify myself so that when the day of His appearing comes, when the day that He calls me home, I can be caught up together in the clouds and I'll never be perfect this side of glory, but praise His name, I can be forgiven and I can be as right as I can be in the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Not only are we supposed to be watching and are we supposed to be ready, but beloved, he calls for us to be faithful. Look at verse number 45 in our text, chapter 24 of Matthew, verse number 45. He says, who then is faithful and a wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him the meat in due season? Beloved, faithful means trustworthy. I ask you this morning, can God trust you? God is asking for faithful servants. Faithful servants. There's somebody, I, I don't want to embarrass them. And uh, I can tell you that this morning I was sitting on the stage and I looked out here into the auditorium and there was somebody that walked in and in my mind I said, there's a faithful servant. There's somebody that does what's expected they are, they're always in their place. They're on time. They're doing the job they said they were going to do. You can count on them. They're, they're faithful. Faithful. God's looking for faithful servants. He says here, who then is a faithful and wise servant? Well, there's a lot of things that we could talk about with regards to wisdom about being wise. But you know, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. There's, there's one pretty easy characteristic. They want to be wise? Or you wonder if you're wise? When's the last soul you led to the Lord Jesus Christ? Where's the last person you pointed to and introduced them to your Savior? Look at verse number 46. Matthew 24, verse 46. He said, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. He said, blessed is that servant. You know what blessed means? You tell me. Happy. Happy. Blessed is that servant. Happy is the servant. I know everybody wants to be happy. We all, we all want to be happy. That's the big crux of life. You know, we just, oh, I just want to be happy. You want to be happy? Be faithful. Be faithful. You want to be happy when he comes again? Be watching. Be ready. Be faithful. Beloved, God sees your faithfulness. And he rewards it. He says here, in, in the verse we read, 45, he says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? You see, God sees your faithfulness and he awards it. He rewards you. In verse number 47, he says, Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. I can't say that I really understand or am able to adequately describe what that means, that you're going to be ruler over all his goods. All I know is that it's by implication something to be desired. Something we should look for. And God's going to do that for those that are faithful. Are you faithful this morning? As I bring this to a conclusion, I want to ask you, are you watching? 
Are you watching? The signs of the times are everywhere. They're everywhere. We see them all around us. He's coming soon. And are you watching for him? If you're watching, can I ask you this morning, are you ready? Are you ready for him to come again? Maybe you need to be sure that you're saved here this morning. Listen, Noah preached for 120 years. And all they had to do was enter the ark and they could have been saved from the destruction of the flood. But they rejected it. They didn't accept it. They didn't, they didn't by faith believe it. They just said no. But you know what happened? I can tell you almost without a doubt that the day came when rain started to fall from the sky and water started to come up from the deep. And I can picture in my mind's eye that there was people running up to the ark and saying, oh, hey, Noah, Noah, we believe. We believe you. Hey, Noah, we know it's, it's raining. Hey, it's starting to get kind of flooded out here. Noah, let us in. Let us in. But it was too late. The opportunity for their salvation had passed. The door had been closed. And can I tell you, beloved, at the moment that Jesus sounds the trumpet and he breaks the eastern sky, the opportunity for you to be saved is going to be passed. Your, your day and hour of availability to trust him is done and gone. At the moment of your death, it's passed. The, the book of... Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16 tells us about the story of the rich man. The Bible says that he lifted up his eyes. At the moment of his death, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. After death, it's too late, but you're not dead yet. You're still alive. You can right now, today, be ready by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Don't leave here today if you haven't done that. Get it settled. Well, we've got people today that are going to be baptized. What a, what a glorious thing if Jesus came back and you're like, yeah, I was getting baptized. Amen. <laughs> right, right at the hour, at the time when the Lord came back, I was, I was being obedient. I was following your will. I was, hey, no, I'm not perfect. I'm just a, hey, listen, on my best day, I'm still a sinner saved by grace. But as God points direction for me and says, this is what I want you to do, I strive to say, okay, Lord, yes, I'll try and do that. And that's what these people that are getting baptized today have said, I recognize God. He is Lord. He is your creator. And I've submitted to him. He wants me to get baptized. Okay, I'm going to get baptized. It's one step of obedience in this journey of faith that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask you this morning, are you ready to meet him? Have you purified yourself? Have you taken the steps of obedience? And are you being faithful? Faithful to him day in and day out.